welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone, and it's hump day, and spring is finally here, and I'm smiling ear to ear, and the sun is still shining. I love, love, love daylight savings time, and I'm excited about tonight's show because I have a, a fellow Canadian who's also American, so she's a, she is half Canadian, half American, from Alberta, and her name is Beth Haley, and she's in book 10. And I'm really excited to interview Beth because I was intrigued with her chapter and I love the title of her chapter. It's called Change Through Choice, just a selection of hugely powerful words. Of course, anytime we want to make a change in our life, it has to be made through a thought, a well thought out choice, or is it? She's going to talk about why she wrote her chapter, and how you can choose to create any type of relationship you want. So let me give you a little bit of background about Beth, and then we will dive in and have a wonderful conversation with her. So Beth is a certified life enhancement coach. She is an advanced Psych K facilitator, which I'm excited to hear about. She is a Theta healer, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. With the Monroe Institute. Beth alludes that she's learned many tools which have helped her transform her own life and many areas of her life that she felt needed some work. She then started to study from a place of wanting to solve problems within her own life. She is the daughter of a teacher and she's always loved to read books because when we read books, we learn something new. Her love of reading helped her learn a great deal of knowledge. But she claims that it wasn't until she started taking experiential classes from many different teachers that she really felt privileged to learn that her knowledge was going to be put into actual practice. So she took course after course and put the learning into practice. And she's made some really impactful, powerful changes in life. So Beth, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Thank you so much, Deb. That's a lovely introduction. Well, you know, I'm just reading your words, and I, I think as any entrepreneur, Beth, it's really difficult to write about our our expertise, and, and I know I've had that conversation with many of the authors. So let me ask you my first question. What you to join the Glee after speaking with Jim and Jim? What encouraged me to, to write the book was, um, I guess I could say it was guidance from um, doing a little bit of meditation myself and um, just encouraging to get out there a little bit more. Well, and I, 
it's that area of fear or putting our toe in that pond where we always have that apprehension to move forward. And what I really loved about your chapter is how you talk about we really do have the choice to change things. And you focus on relationships with many different topics that I want to talk about. But could you give us just a little insight of some of the basic strategies from the knowledge that you've learned of how you've transformed your own life best? When we when we look at things, um, and whether it's looking at a glass as half empty or half full, it's it's our perspective and where we're sitting that actually creates how we feel about our life. So it's not necessarily circumstances that surround us. It's it's who we are and and who who we choose to be that creates our life for us. And that's something that it takes a long time to really get in a in a way that you can put it into practice. Because <laughs> a lot of people, it's just words. But for me, it's it's become a very personal journey from um, being a, a, a young bride. I, I was married when I was 18 and a young mom and just different health challenges that I went through and um, just different things that, that occurred in my life uh, that I overcame. And um, now it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a lovely place to be. I'm in my mid fifties. And uh, I think that it's a, my grandmother said that that's one of the prime times of life is in your fifties. So, and I think she's quite, she was quite right about that. It's, it's a really lovely place to be. You're still really healthy and able to get around and do things, and yet you have all this wisdom that's, that's held in your mind from life experience. Well, I'm going to agree with you because I, I turned 50 last year, and I thought turning 40, you know, the old cliche, life begins at 40. When I turned 50, I realized, I was more in control and more successful and just felt that my confidence level went up another notch on, on the meter of success. And I didn't really know why, but I just decided to embrace it and go with it. So I think those are wise words that you got from your grandma for sure. Now you, you allude that you're the daughter of a teacher. So was it your mom or your dad or were both your parents teachers? No, my dad was the teacher, um, and he taught physics and mathematics, and he also was a uh, uh, high school um, uh, track and field coach. So, so having, having your dad as a teacher, you always had, I'm sure, lots of books. You talk about reading a lot, and I'm the same, Beth. I am a total book junkie. I There's nothing more that I love than curling up with a warm blanket and a cup of tea and a good book. And it just, I don't know, it just can take you to another place depending on your mood or what you chose to read. And maybe just let us know your love of books and some of the things that you like to read and, and just where does that take you when, when you get that time for yourself? Well, one of the books that I read that, that's had a big influence was uh, Bob Monroe's uh, Journeys Out of the Body. That I read that in 1979 when I was in high school. And I said, someday I'm going to go there. And, of course, life got busy and, you know, time marches on kind of thing. And um, I got married in 1980 and had two kids. And 
it wasn't until 2007 when I had a friend of mine suggest that I took a course with a gentleman by the name of Paul Elder, who is an outreach facilitator for the Monroe Institute, and Kent in the gymnasium with 25 other people laying on a blow-up air mattress and listening to hemisync through headphones. And some of the experiences that I had in that course of that weekend were so phenomenal. I went home and I talked to my husband. I said, honey, I've dreamed about this since I was in high school, and we arranged to go to the Monroe Institute in 2008. He and I went together and took Gateway. And my husband's an engineer, a very left-brained guy, and after spending a week at the Monroe Institute in meditation, um, we went out to our rented car, and he turned and he looked at me and said, Honey, I don't think I remember how to turn it on. He was just in such an altered place from where we were when we started and both he and I were very grateful that we had arranged to stay at a bed and breakfast that's near the Monroe Institute on the hill. Well and I'm my background Beth is working with people with neurotrauma so that's really intriguing to hear because a simple task uh, like getting in your your car and turning the key comes from the procedural memory that we have. So he must have got to a really heightened state of his subconscious through all the different meditation you must have done over the course of that week. And did it affect you in the same way? Well, I've always been a bit of an empath. Like I didn't realize uh, how much of an empath I was until I, I started doing some of this personal journey work. I always perceived other people's emotions as though they were my own. And it took a lot of work for me to be able to differentiate what I was feeling that was mine from what I was feeling from other people. And that that's a huge point. And, and I, I get what you're saying when you say that, but I need you to explain that to the listeners because I think a lot of times people are so worried about what other people think or feel. And that is a very powerful statement that you just said. So break that down for the listeners. And maybe if you could even go so far as to tell us some of the strategies that you were able to input into your life to help you realize the difference in that, Beth. Well, some of the difference has just been through experience. You know, you start to realize that, some of the feelings that you have really weren't emanating from within you. They were actually being um, pushed upon you from outside. And that's another point that uh, when we went uh, back to Washington, D.C., because that's where we were flying home from after Gateway, um, my husband was so open to all the perceptions from other people that we actually stayed in our hotel room for two days because it was actually almost painful for him to go out and he could feel the thoughts of other people that they were pushing against him and and the hustle and the bustle was just too much for him. So that's, I mean, have you ever gone into a city where it's just go, 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 like everything is fast, fast, fast. And then you're out in the country and it's quiet. Those are two different different perceptions, but they're outside of you. Well, and it's interesting you say that because I I went to uh, Paris, France back in 2011 and, and how you just described that, that's how I felt. It was almost so overwhelming that I became anxious. And I'm not an anxious person, but just the hustle and bustle and the traffic and everyone was in such a rush. And then later on in the day, when we moved to more of a rural area in the south of France, again, I went from, you know, such a busy place where I couldn't even hear myself think and it was exciting, but it was uncomfortable And then to go to a place where you actually could, 
you know, take a deep breath and relax because you were then in the calmness of a, of a small little country town. It's, it's interesting how we, we feel and embrace and really respond to those two different situations, isn't it? It is. And, and the thing about with meditation that I've learned is if you really are focused on, on where you're at, you can actually take the quiet and the peace of the country into a hustle and a bustle situation. So it's it's a unique experience to be able to, by taking one deep breath and inhaling and, and focusing and calming your mind, that you can actually, oh. in the midst of a crisis, be very calm and very relaxed about the next step. And it's it's much easier to be clear and to make good decisions from a place of calmness than it is from a place of overexcitement. Oh, exactly. And and you look at our world today, Beth, and, and we're such a technology-dependent society. Um, you can walk in a mall or be driving, and there's so many people on their phones now. I would love yeah. for you to just talk about, you know, strategies that maybe you've helped some of your clients with or even yourself. How do you choose to escape to have that self-care that self-love for you every day and 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 is it meditation or do you do other things one of the tools that i use and i'd be happy to share it with you is it's just a visualization technique and you can spend you know 30 seconds doing it or you can spend two minutes doing it but it changes your state of being in just a couple of breaths so if you close your eyes and imagine roots coming out the bottom of your feet and extending into the ground. Just use your imagination to do this. And then imagine that you've opened the crown of your head to the beautiful light of love from the universe coming into the top of your head. And as you breathe in, just imagine that white light coming in through the crown of your head and filling all the areas of your body with light And as the light flows in, the darkness flows out down through the roots. So just continue filling your your head with light and let it flow down into your body until it's all the way through and all the darkness and anything that's no longer required is pushed out through the roots. And you just take one or two breaths. Sometimes, you know, when you first do it, it may take 10 minutes to get all of the darkness pushed out, but... After a while, you can just take one deep breath in and it's all gone. Now, Beth, I didn't tell you that one of the prerequisites to being on the show was not putting the host at such a relaxed state of mind that she's ready to have a nap. How how powerful is that? Like I just, just a, a wave and sense of calmness comes over you from just such a basic exercise you could do anywhere. Yeah, and it, you can just do it in one, like I said, one breath, and you've now become calmer and much more clear, and you're functioning. And I also think you have the perfect voice to be doing meditation, as Beth Haley. <laughs> Thank you. I do enjoy. I do enjoy sharing this work. We've had some amazing experiences during the course of the weekends that I've shared. Um, one of the clients that I, I had at, at one of the workshops said a mole on her eye and her mother and grandmother had had the same mole and she'd actually had an appointment to have this mole surgically removed and we did the release and recharge exercise 
And after we did the exercise, she opened her eyes and she rubbed her eye and the mole came off in the fingers. It's amazing what we can do when we put our minds to it, isn't it? It is. And, and that's, there's so many amazing experiences that happen over the course of the weekend that, that I share with people that each one is unique and each group that comes together is unique. But I have learned so much more by, by sharing these, I think, than, than I've taught in some cases. But uh, it's, been well, a, it's been a wonderful journey. And and I can hear that in your voice. I can hear the passion for the work that you're doing, the enjoyment that you have doing it, and just the success that you've had from implementing this into your own life, from life has handed you certain challenges along the way. And again, it's like the chapter of uh, in in your change book, in book number 10, uh, we can have change through choice. So I'd like to shift for a minute because, There's two paragraphs in your book that really got me, and I really enjoyed reading your chapter. So I would love to uh, let the listeners have a little glimpse of your chapter. So uh, please allow me to read uh, two of your paragraphs uh, from your chapter in The Change. So Beth, again, Beth Haley is in The Change Book Series number 10, and her chapter is called Change Through Choice choosing to create the relationship you want. And there were two paragraphs on page 52 that I just really felt had merit. And I, I wanted to share them with you because now that I'm hearing Beth's voice, I'm, I'm going to reread these and I'm, I'm going to hear her voice in my head, but I just would really love you to be attentive to these words because I think they have a powerful message. So here we go. Holding a powerful vision for your relationship and for your life is the ultimate manifestation tool. There are many great people who did not have a great start in life, but they had a vision and they did not let anyone knock them off their course of pursuing that vision. Martin Luther King did not live in a world that he liked, but he knew it could be changed. His vision of a better future actually brought that future into reality. Whatever state your relationship is in now, know that it can be changed. Spend some time every day visioneering, love that word, the future of your relationship and watch how quickly you make it a reality. Mother Teresa started out doing small acts of kindness, but as she held tight to her vision, she brought other people into her world and together they all changed the world. Choose to fall in love with your partner today and every day. Commit small acts of kindness for your partner and watch the changes begin. See this as something you choose to do for yourself because you truly desire a deep and meaningful relationship. Choose to share the vision of your relationship with your partner and bring other people into your world who can support you. Those two paragraphs, Beth, were huge for me for two reasons. I love the word visioneering. I I love that you coined that and and how you spoke to it about we have to spend time every day. And and I coach people on work-life balance. So taking that self-care time to give back to self, it doesn't matter what you choose. And again, another one of your key words. It doesn't matter what you choose as long as you're doing it every day. If 
we all get asked that question, you know, if we could sit and talk to someone, whether they're still alive or they've passed, who would it be? And for me, it's always Mother Teresa. And I have a beautiful painting of her in the hallway as soon as you walk into my house. So I love that you've taken great leaders who have passed, like Martin Luther King and and Mother Teresa, and, and talking about, you know, the desire. We all want to have deep and meaningful relationships. So I want you to share with the listeners and the fellow co-authors that are listening in from the Change Book series, where were you in your mindset when you chose to write this chapter and why did you choose to talk about relationships? Relationships to me are our most powerful method of, of growing ourselves and in a relationship, in a in a truly caring and loving relationship with another person, they have a, a way of showing you where you need to grow the most. And they can do it in a loving way or they can do it in a non-loving way. But the intention is that relationships create uh, places where we're uh, comfortable and they also create places where we are uncomfortable. And that creates growth for us when we're uncomfortable we can choose to grow until we are comfortable. So, so a relationship is our most powerful um, method of being uh, in a in a co-creative place with another human being. Well, and I I, I think you've just said that so beautifully, and I also love in your chapter that you talk about effective communication. And people forget or become blinded by the fact that effective communication isn't having just good verbal expression. It involves the ability to hone and really listen so that you're listening clearly and you're speaking clearly. Because I have so many conversations with people and you can tell by their nonverbal cues, the body language, their eye movement, facial expression, they're listening respond as opposed to just listening to process and could you maybe share with us maybe some work you've done with a client just an overview or how you've had to thread in that element of of your coaching or your facilitating around the whole effective communication piece effective like the effective communication pieces is a it's not just it's that you're right it's not just the speaking or the listening it's actually being able to um, to actually digest what the other person truly means. And sometimes that requires actually saying back to the person what you think you understood them to say. So if, if you're hearing someone say to you, um, listen, you know, I, I really don't like the way that uh, you cook that roast. It's really too tough. And that hits you in a place that's very wounded, then it's a way for you to actually be woken to the fact that there's a wound there waiting to be healed. If you took offense to someone criticizing the roast, when perhaps they only meant that, you know, they would have preferred it less well done. Exactly. And and that's a really valid point. And it goes back to the point that you were talking about that sometimes we may hear something in a conversation and we are interpreting it the wrong way. 
And I think that technology has just heightened that, Beth, because, I mean, emails can be sent and be so misconstrued. And the same with text messages. Sometimes people may type what they mean to say, but the tone can take on a different emotion. Do you want to chime in and and tell me what you feel about that? It's true, you know, where we are at when we're sending the text message, people, we, we give off invisible signals that, that we, as you know, we pick up that other people will pick up from us. So it may not have anything to do with the other person that, you know, you've just, you've just received the news that, that your cat has, you know, liver disease, and you're really distraught, and you go into a meeting, and everybody there senses you're upset, and, and they may interpreted in a totally different than what really is going on with you. So I think, you know, not knowing, you don't know how someone else is feeling because you've never walked in their shoes. So effective listening is, is really trying to understand where the other person is coming from and tr- at least attempting to try on their shoes for a few minutes, even though it may be difficult. Exactly. And just ni- it's just a nice way that you frame that because perception it, it can be it can be a very dangerous thing at times can't it it can and and it also comes from you know not everybody's going to look at things perfectly and you're not going to get everything right no one's perfect but it's about intention and whether you choose to see the other person as the intention of theirs is to be loving towards you or do you feel that their intention is to harm you in some way well, so and if, I think, if you're feeling that their intention is to harm you, you're going to perceive their words and their actions in a totally different way than if you perceive that their intention is to be loving towards you. Well, and it, it usually stems back to what you said a little bit earlier about their life experiences and, and how that's been processed and repressed and sitting in their subconscious somewhere. And again, it's, it's just a misinterpretation. Um, I want to direct people to your website. It's BethHaley.com. And I was wondering if you would give us a little insight into your daily world and talk about your blog and services you offer. And I'd love if you'd give us an overview about the Monroe Institute and the work that you're doing through them. The Monroe Institute is actually uh, was developed uh, uh, back in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, it was actually built in, in Bob's home. Robert Monroe uh, was, of course, the, the person who created the Monroe Institute. And he had had experiences, um, you know, out-of-body experiences. And he actually coined that phrase, out-of-body, when he wrote his books. And he was a, a multimillionaire businessman radio station owner. So this kind of thing did not happen to multimillionaire businessmen in the 50s normally. And if it did, they certainly didn't talk about it with each other. So um, he kind of went on a journey trying to figure out what was happening with him. Uh, He went to see psychologists and doctors, you know. um, I'm sure the first time that he floated out of his body, he thought maybe he might be dying. You know, I can only imagine how he must have felt. So, you know, you, you do want to eliminate any of those those questions of course for yourself and then when he realized that that wasn't the case and these kinds of things kept happening for him he wanted to know why and he wanted to know if he could help create that same situation for other people and basically the Monroe Institute is non-denominational its only premise is that 
It asks you to consider that you are more than just this physical body. And uh, from there, it, it asks you to explore how much more are you than, than just this physical body. So that's kind of the question that most people that, that go to the Mineral Institute and want to spend a week, they're, they're exploring that part of how much more am I and how much more can I extend. And they have all kinds of different classes. Um, they have the spoon bending class. It's MC squared. It's taught by Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, and he also teaches uh, classes in Las Vegas to how to use um, your psychokinesis energy to manipulate the slot machines and dice. So um, it's a quite a fun week that he teaches in, in Las Vegas. Um, there's uh, the, the um, Heartline, which helps you to get more in touch with your own heart. Uh, there is Lifeline, which is uh, helping you to maybe get in touch with people that have passed on. So there's a number of different classes, but they all start with the Gateway program, uh, which is that week-long program that I told you that my husband and I went to together. Well, it sounds intriguing, and I'm I'm really glad you introduced us to it because it's just it's just another resource for people, which is another reason why I I love interviewing the co-authors from the Change Book series because there's just so many wonderful programs going on around the globe and different modalities of things that we can we can practice and again self care, which I'm I'm loving. I'm really intrigued with the Psych K. And I was wondering if you could let me know a little bit about that and what population would that help? And the reason I'm asking you that is, is I read up about it on your website and I'm just wondering how it would help someone who may have some neurotrauma experience, whether it be physical or physiological. Well, if you can, if you can learn how to muscle test, which is what Psyche is based on is kinesiology Muscle testing a, a person's body, the body will always tell the truth. So you can ask the body all kinds of questions, and the body will answer truthfully. Even though the person's conscious mind might want to answer something different, the body will tell the truth of what's actually going on. So you can use Psyche to uh, change subconscious programs. For instance, you might have the program that I'm not good enough, and that may be underpinning everything that you do in life. And if that's one of your core programs, you definitely want to change it to I am good enough. But you can have a program encoded between the birth is, ages, I'm sorry, before you're born up to the age of about five or six, you're in this theta brainwave state 90% of the time. So basically anything that, that happens to you or that occurs for you in that state goes in like a fact. So you may not, you do not have control over what is hired, wired into your brain until you start seeing the printout of your life. So that's how your life experience is unfolding. Then you start seeing what's hardwired into your brain as a subconscious program. And the subconscious mind processes, depending on what book you read, anywhere from 400 to a million bits of information per second whereas the conscious mind is about 400 bits of information per second. Now, I know what body testing is, and some of our listeners may not know what that is. So can you just give us a quick overview and, and maybe ask a question and maybe something you've done or experienced yourself or with one of your clients, just so they get 
a little glimpse into that world because I find it so fascinating, Beth. Well, one of the things that, that I wasn't aware was um, when this is something that I, when, when I took the psyche classes, this is something that came up for me. Um, as you know, my dad was a school teacher. And when he went to school, my brother, my older brother, went with him when he was six years old, which is normal. But as a four-year-old child, I felt abandoned, you see, because my dad and my older brother went to school and I wasn't allowed. So I had abandonment issues <laughs> from the age of four because my school teacher dad and my brother went to school and I didn't. And that's not something I would ever have consciously recognized, but it did come up with the muscle testing. So muscle testing is basically um, asking your body to to give a a yes-no response to a question. And is it done with um, touching of your arm or your leg or what method have you had exposure to or or have you done with someone, Beth? I do do muscle testing with uh, using a person's whole arm. But sometimes people, you know, if I'm doing enough of it, that gets very tiring. So I can also use fingers. Um, you can actually even use a lean method where you can have a person standing and they'll either lean forward or back. And for instance, like if you just close your fingers, your, your thumb and your, um, your, your longest finger on your hand, not the, not the first finger, but the second finger. So just close those two into a circle and then grab uh, in between with your thumb and say, show me a yes, and then push against it. And then take it again and say, show me a no and push against it. That's your body. You've calibrated muscle testing. And that's, that's as simple as it can be. It's, I find it so fascinating, don't you, Beth? Yes, I do. You can use muscle testing for anything from going into a grocery store and saying, does my body need this vitamin? You know, some people will go in and pick up the vitamin bottle and, you know, hold it to their chest and say, this is good for me. And the body will say, no, it's not. Uh, you can you can go in and you know to a restaurant and say, well, my body needs this particular meal, and you can go down and muscle test everything on the menu. Isn't that? I have another uh, <laughs> colleague of mine that does it, and I she lived her whole life on, on the premise of doing it, and I just there's a, it's always a fun time to hang out with her. So, can you tell us what what's on your agenda for this year? Are you speaking? Are you doing more writing? Um, what's kind of some of your goals and, and the remainder of 2017 look like for you, Beth? Well, we've just moved out to the country. So I've moved away from a lot of my, my clients that I did one-on-one with in Calgary. And I've I've got a few clients that, that do call me on the phone. And I do really love doing phone sessions with people. So um, I'm hoping to get a lot more phone clients uh, this year. Uh, clients that maybe saw me in person in Calgary and are comfortable doing phone sessions. Um, I can do the muscle testing if we're doing psyche, uh, you know, remotely. Uh, so that's that's not a not a big deal doing a remote session. And sometimes people are a little bit more comfortable sitting in their own home doing some of the deep work that I do. I've done a lot of work with women who've been uh, sexually abused as children, and helping them to overcome that sense of violation and hurt and wounding. So I've done a lot of work uh, on that. So that's something that, that I really enjoy helping women, uh, especially to to work through some of those deep, hurtful issues. 
Well, it sounds to me like you have definitely found your passion in life and that you are doing what you love. I I totally sense that from you. And I would love for you to connect with Diana Allen in the south of France because I think you complement each other so beautifully and I'm I'm hoping you'll reach out to her and she, I know she listens to the show. She's sleeping right now cuz she's in the south of France. <laughs> And there's lots of co-authors out in Alberta, Uh, Donna Dahl and Darcy McJanich, and there's Julianne Kristoff in in BC. So it's it's just so intriguing and welcoming, and I just feel a privilege to be part of this community with individuals like yourself that are helping people with their lives and changing their lives. And, And we're all part of this interlinked, community within the change book series so I have really enjoyed speaking with you Beth and I just I wish you continued success in your practice and I think every time I pick up a book now I'm going to think of you because I know I've got another book friend junkie out there who loves reading as much as me and my my Irish Nana used to say that knowledge is power and it's like real estate it'll it'll never it'll never go bad it'll only offer you increase in life so like your grandma I truly I truly had someone like that in my life, always teaching me uh, interesting things. So thank you for spending time with me on the radio show. And I hope our paths will connect physically one day and, and truly wish you all the best, Beth. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I was very nervous, but you've made it very comfortable. And it's been quite a lovely chat with you. So thank you so much, Deb, for being so awesome at what you do. Well, it's my pleasure, and and I look forward to talking with you soon, so you take care. You too. Thanks so much, Deb. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Beth. Just a wonderful interview with Beth Haley from, from Book 10, and again, just another author full of just zest for life and passion and changing the life of many people. Just another common element that all of these wonderful co-authors have. So I'm excited to be back with you live next week on March the 29th. And I'll be interviewing the one and only Lucas Roback from book number one. And he is a very interesting guy. And you're really going to love listening to him. And he's doing some amazing initiatives. And I will just leave you with that little teaser. I'm hoping to interview a couple of international authors this weekend. So I will leave that element of surprise with you. But as always, thank you for tuning in and and listening to the Change Book Radio Show. And thanks again to Beth Haley. Just what a wonderful conversation. So this is Deb Crow with the Change Book Radio Show. And join me back here next week live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care, everyone.